Today on Season 3, Episode 48 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, the trio Bryce, Ken, and Jer share some time in the UPP studio to break down Matt LaFleur's eighth straight NFC North victory. It felt different, but the result was the same as the Lions limp out of Lambeau after suffering a crushing defeat. The offense exploded, the D-chain was chugging, and the special teams was busy kicking off. Three times the hosts means three times the game balls. Who gets them? Listen in and find out. And now it's time for 2-0 on tap. so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go Packers! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. And let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for 2 and 0 on tap. The Packers win 42-21 over another divisional foe. Matt LaFleur is 8 and 0 and 16 and 4 in his last 20 games. Who is your daddy? Matt LaFleur is your daddy. Packers beat Minnesota 43-34 to open up the season last week, now giving them back-to-back 40-point games for the first time since scoring 55 versus Chicago and 53 versus Philadelphia in 2014. Green Bay has, has had no turnovers through those two games. Packers started the game down 14-3, and at that point, Green Bay had allowed touchdowns on five consecutive drives, dating back to last week in Minnesota, and you start to get a little concerned about the Packers' defense. Credit Pettit and Lafleur for reining it in and going on a run of 31 consecutive points for a 34-14 lead, eventual 42-21 decisive victory at home. Believe it or not, sans fans, Lafleur said after the game, quote, it's almost indescribable, end quote. And now the Packers go 2-0 in this early and unusual season, and I am not alone I welcome Jeremiah and Ken. How are you all doing after this Packers victory? I am doing pretty phenomenal, Bryce. It's good to be here with you guys once again. First time back since the 53-man roster won. And, you know, today, I I summed it up right after the game. I think, you know, I was feeling uneasy at the beginning, kind of smoothed out over the, as as time went on. But, you know, still 2-0 feels pretty, pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. That's awesome. Yeah, 42-21. <laughs> you can't really complain too much. I'm I'm right there with you guys. When this thing started off, I'm like, here we go. Matthew Stafford. Right. <laughs> Everyone kind of downplays him just because the team that he's on has been trash, but he himself is good. I'm like, uh-oh, here we go. And hmm. but I'm glad that the Packers are able to figure it figure it out, turn it around, and walk away with the W. That's all that matters, right? I mean Comparing to 2019, where they didn't lead at all until the clock struck zero both games, and then, you know, sneaking out both wins in those two games. And so they jump up 14-3, like you said. And I got concerned again about this defense, about offenses seeming to be able to score at will sometimes with that defense. But, man, credit credit Lafleur and Petten for reining it in. Apparently, Lafleur at halftime gave a, you know, just a tongue lashing, apparently, you know, I'm 
I'm probably uh, exaggerating a little bit, but enough to where you could see that there was extra juice in that second half and talk about like tilting the field and Shannon Sullivan with a pick six. You have the Aaron Jones performance and man, LaFleur, the way he's scheming right now, it just seems so easy for him. And the Lions aren't, you know, the Lions have always just given us trouble, evidence of last year too. And Stafford was 22 touchdowns to three interceptions coming into this Lambo game for like the last like three or four seasons, I want to say. So he's played really, really well. So they jump up 14-3, like you said. But man, talk about the defense clamping down, the offense responding the way that did. That's got to be a confidence boost, right? Right. And for me, like when all was said and done and you look at the box score and you're looking, you know, 42-21. And then I look and I'm like, when's the last time we watched a game, especially a Green Bay Packer game, where they put up 42 points and a wide receiver didn't even score, right? That just, oh, that yeah. for me, that was like one of the big takeaways. It's like, obviously Jones got involved, but it was just, it was a team effort outside, you know, of what the wide receivers could do to, you know, put points up on the board. That was, for me, like, I I had to like do a double take, like, really? Okay. Like, mm-hmm. okay, like. Lazard didn't get one. MVS didn't get one. Like Adams was out. Okay, that, I guess that makes sense. But yeah. it was it was good to see it was good to see the offense, you know, figure it out. You know, after the first quarter, and uh, you know, get rolling again. And it's good to see this team, you know, humming in this Lafleur system now in year two no through two games. You know, plowing through divisional opponents. I'll take it. Absolutely, absolutely. Jerry, what are your thoughts? I mean, Packers go up 2-0 now. Minnesota's 0-2. <laughs> uh, Detroit's 0-2. Man, Minnesota's 0-2. That just has like a good <laughs> ring to it. I wouldn't mind an 0-16 season from those guys. No, I'm, you know, just to add on to Ken, you know, we talk about feeling feeling pretty good about the offense, kind of humming along. You know, I don't want to say glass half empty kind of guy, but, you know, we, the game ended and I'm thinking, man, we, we just hung 42 and we had six very, I, I would say, in key points drops from our receivers right. or tight ends. You know, you take away even half of those or, you know, two-thirds of those, and you're probably, I mean, you could be looking at 50-plus. So it's, mm-hmm. like you guys say, you know, the offense just looks like it's kind of clicking on all cylinders. I did, I want to say, you know, the that first quarter when it did seem like we were, I don't know what we were trying to do, maybe it looked like Rodgers was trying to be... Uh, I, I want to say, you know, a little bit of last year where he was trying to take over the game, um, maybe when it wasn't really coming to him or he was just, mm-hmm. he wasn't taking what was there. Um, I noticed that a little bit in the first quarter uh, and a little bit in the first half. And, you know, it seemed like as he calmed down, as he, you know, allowed the running game to really just take over, it seemed then it was more comfort level, you know, let those big plays come to the team or come to the offense rather than forcing them. And, in, you know, in that regard, you talk about, MVS, you talk about Aaron Jones, you talk about Big Bob Tanyan getting a touchdown. Um, you know, some of those, and I think the broadcasters, you know, Greg Jennings uh, highlighted, uh, I think, a few times that last year, I want to say they said we had like 15 chunk plays or whatever they called big plays throughout the whole year. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, r- right now uh, at the pace we're at, we're going to just clobber that probably, you know, a few games into the season. So, you know, I think at the beginning of the season, everybody's saying, I think LaFleur was saying, Rogers was saying, we got to get that big play mentality. We got to get those big chunk plays back. And it seems like 
so far, whatever, you know, whatever they've changed, whether it's just being in the second year of that system, that's been, that's been there. And, you know, Jones up the gut for 75, that 40 some yard, mm -hmm. 10 BS. I mean, those were just insane. And I think really that, that Jones one was, it had to be the turning point for me, you know, coming out of half, it really just kind of, as was it Wayne Larrabee would say that, you know, the dagger, a little early dagger, but that, that just felt like that was a dagger. And it's it's scary to think that the Packers can get better on offense. And like you said, Jer, yeah, a drop by Tanyan was able to redeem himself. You know, you have a couple costly drops with Jay Sternberger, Rogers airing it out a little bit, leading uh, MVS where he got drilled. Luckily, he you know he popped up. But to think that the offense, I mean, two games in, no no training camp. I mean, virtual off season, no preseason, and the. The way they're like, I love that word humming along, but it's coming to cost. You know, week week one, you had Kenny Clark, notably Lane Taylor, done for the year with an ACL injury. And now week two, you have Devontae Adams injured. You've got Tyler Irvin injured, and you got Corey Lindsley injured as well. Uh, so you're starting to think, okay, this whole unusual offseason is starting to, you know, creep in a little early, but man, even still, the Packers seem to have just that that it factor. Like, all right, we're not going to lose this game. And just like, you know, last week where Minnesota started to creep back in, Green Bay went on this methodical drive and iced the game. And then here, they they go down 14-3, and LaFleur just seems fine. Defense comes up with big plays, and man, they can get to the quarterback too. We have, you know, Rashawn Gary looking ferocious out there on a couple sacks. Uh, Vernon Scott with the sack too. I, I couldn't be happier. And I, it'll be really intriguing to see what this team can do against the Saints, albeit they might be out um, with a couple key injuries. But man, 2 and 0 um, with the most unusual, unprecedented offseason. I, I couldn't be more thrilled. I think too, really, that. Something that's shined out or stood out to me the first two games is, you know, MVS has had a couple drops. He's had a couple of those those moments where you're like, oh, gee, you know, he's going to go down in the dumps. Uh, this is going to mm -hmm. be it. And then you see Rodgers. Now, I think in this game as well, he came over and I think I think it was MVS was coming over him to say something probably. And immediately Rodgers just said, Shh, you know, stop it. No, like you're, you're good. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, then I, after that point, it, you know, hit him for another big bomb. So it's it's just this is awesome you know, mentality of being that that leadership or that leader that the team, um, you know, greatly needs on offense. Rodgers is doing that, maybe not as vocally as, you know, maybe everybody wants him to be sometimes, but moments like that. And then in, in week one, when he kind of had that same kind of charged up, like, dude, you did it, man. Like, keep this up. <laughs> it, it just, it's just awesome to see, especially, you know, when Rodgers kind of gets tanked on a bunch for not being that whatever he's supposed to be, you know, quality leader or you know, putting guys down or whatever the hell that people are talking about. But to see that two weeks in a row, I think has been awesome, especially, uh, you know, if I was an MVS's shoes, I'd be, um, I, yeah, I'd be on cloud nine right now. Right. Yeah. MVS. I, I think I talked about this last week too. It's like, he's going to be one of those players who's going to have his major ups and his major downs along the way. He's going to be one of those guys that you love to hate or you hate to love. And he's going to be, it's, it's like, no, 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 yes, when he's able to do stuff. But <laughs> for me, he, he kind of stuck out, you know, beyond you know, what you had mentioned, Jeremy. But, like, the fact that he gets, not, he, he gets knocked out of the game 
and you're you're for a little bit thinking, okay, he might not be coming back. We're already down. Like Devontae at that point had gone out, but then come back in. EQ's on IR. I'm thinking, what's going on with this wide receiver core? Is MVS going to be going down? He miraculously comes back in the game. Like I thought he was going to be a concussion protocol for sure. And then the very next right. play, like gets just knocked down again. Like lays mm-hmm. out for it and gets knocked out again. But what a warrior comes up and you know was able to make some plays. Didn't necessarily light up the stat sheet, but you know just being that guy that can come in and be that deep threat. I know he's going to have those drop balls. He's going to have those. Ugh, you know, I wish I could you know do over that play, but. When he does connect with it, I think we have a lot of vertical threat that is just waiting to be unleashed and untapped, you know, further on the season. That speed. I mean, like uh, Okuda, their first round draft pick. And I'm terrible with last names. I can never pronounce them. I think my Wisconsin accent gets in the way. And, but I mean, I think he slept on MVS a little bit and he's just a burner. But like you said, it, it's going to be very, Topsy turvy. You're gonna you're gonna have to you know ride that wave with MVS, but he, he's got that speed that no one else on our team has. Another thing that I really wanted to point out is Lafleur going for it on fourth down. The Packers were down seven nothing. Uh, we ended up getting a field goal out of it, but Packers go for it on fourth and six, and then they were talking about how you're gonna see more NFL teams go for it on fourth down in these situations early in the game. And in, in week one, you have Lafleur doing that. I, I just wonder, one, I mean, it got three points on the board and we were able to sort of get a little bit of moment, momentum, but then Detroit came back and scored four, and then was 14-3. But I, I wonder, you don't go for it on fourth down, you punt it, maybe you pin the Lions, you know, in inside the 20, maybe not, you know, touchback more than likely but man going for it converting getting a field goal just getting points on these drives where it doesn't seem like things are clicking and then for Lafleur to go into the locker room lay down the hammer supposedly on the defense and then Shannon Sullivan comes out with a with a pick six you know real early to start off the second half you know I'm going to mention Gary again I just thought like you're missing Kenny Clark and you you could see that in the first couple drives against the Lions they were desperately missing Kenny Clark um and how much he generates havoc and it opens it up for you know the Smith brothers but man Gary came on huge towards the end of the game and it's nice to see him start to get a little bit of momentum too and he's got some moves too so uh Gary's going to be a guy that I'm going to keep my eye on super excited about he was that breakout Coming into this year, a lot of people were talking about him being that, you know, crazy workout regiment and him filming all that throughout the offseason seemed to translate quite nicely so far. Yeah, and I, you know, you talk about Lafleur jumping in and, you know, riling up the troops and whatever. I, I liked actually coming in, you know, coming out of halftime. I can't remember the side sideline reporter's name, but she mentioned, um, you know, why he's going for it so many times on fourth down in that first half. And it was literally his just lack of confidence or, you know, how pissed off he was that the defense wasn't up holding up uh, their end of the bargain. (laughs) So, I mean, I I don't actually, I, I loved it Mm -hmm. in certain situations, the, the going for it. And I, you know, I'd I'd say the same thing about week one. Uh, I think it was a nice, it's honestly a nice change of pace from uh, I think years of McCarthyism, but coming out of halftime and she said that I was like, okay, that, I mean, that makes complete sense. Cause at that point in time, 
The defense just looked in, I'm going to say in shambles, but they didn't have an answer for the running game. They, you know, Stafford was kind of chewing them up and, mm-hmm. you know, they needed, they needed juice as uh, I think Jennings kept, I think probably said that 1500 times throughout the, the broadcast. Uh, you know, the guys don't have any juice. The guys don't have any juice. And, you know, blame none of the fa- not fans being in the stands and there's no juice. Yeah. So. Right. I noticed that too, like right, what you're talking about with him, uh, coming out of halftime with that sideline reporter saying, yeah, he gave him a little bit of a tongue lashing on defense there. And, you know, to go back to what you guys are saying, when they lined up on that fourth and six, I had pretty much just like sat back. I'm like, oh, okay, Rogers is going to do one of those. I'm going to try and jump, get you to jump off sides. And then (laughs) if I get the free play or if I get the five yards, then maybe we'll go for it. Like I had to do a double take. I'm like, oh, wow, they actually did it. And it's kind of mm-hmm. funny how you kind of see the full, you know, the full swing of it. And you're like, well, yeah, it's because the defense couldn't do anything in the first half. And yeah, whatever that talk was, it it definitely worked. And while we're on this, you know, subject of fourth and long or whatever, or time clock usage, like another oh, three okay. timeouts this game yeah. wasted on delay of games. And I'm a pretty calm, cool, collected fan. Like, I'm not a super rah-rah scream at the TV type of person when I'm watching, especially now that I've got a one-and-a-half-year-old that I'm watching, you know, don't want to scare him while I'm watching the game too much. But, <laughs> you know, I guess it's an improvement that they went from wasting five timeouts in week one that they only went down to three. So I guess that's an improvement. But, like, 80%, they've taken 10 timeouts in the two games. Eight of them have been for, you know, to prevent a five-yard delay of game penalty. It just drives me crazy. That's the one thing where I'm just like out of my mind screaming about when it happens. And I just, I'm fuming. But I guess it's a positive that it went down to three instead of five. So what, next week, two or one, and that's supposed to be good? I don't know. I just, oh, just, I'm, it, I can't. It's just, oh. <laughs> well, well, especially like, like the timing of excuse. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Bryce. No, no, go ahead. It seems like they just keep using the excuse of it, it tends to happen after a, a big play, a chunk play, mm-hmm. you know, guys taking time to get down the field. I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. Then get into a, a no huddle in, that, in those situations or something like you can't you can't allow that to happen day in, day out. I mean, you're not going to blow teams out by 21 points. You're going to need those timeouts some of these games. Well, it, it, and it's going to rear its ugly head. And I mean, you, you've seen a little bit of the blemishes with with Petten too. And hopefully you just shake off some rust and missing Kenny Clark hopefully he'll be back back soon but you're you're spo- you're hoping to see some development a little bit out of savage Gary's been nice you got the Smiths um you got Jair and Kevin King so I think overall I mean the positives have to outweigh the negatives but there's definitely two things that t- that this team struggles with it can be these long drives they can give up big plays and then two that the timeouts like the delay of games and Usually at just these like really weird, odd times where it's like a delay of games here. Like like Jer said, you just picked up a first down. Like I, like what's going on? And I know Rogers has mentioned something about like the language of the plays. That's why he's got that script. And if that's the case, okay, maybe. But you're year two right now, and this is still going on. So another thing that I'm going to keep an eye on and. We're gonna talk more positives uh, in the second half with our with our post game ball edition, where myself, Jeremiah, and Ken each give out our our three uh, post game balls. But before we wrap up the first half of two and zero on tap, again, what are the what are the vibes that you're feeling right now after the Packers are two and zero? I'm feeling that 
I'm loving this uh, Lafleur offense in year two. I can't wait to see it going. Every single running back that touched the ball this game had a uh, run over 10 yards. I'm here for it. I'm I'm ready to go. Bring on the Saints. Yeah, loving it so far. I mean, everybody said second year, you know, you looked at Matt Ryan and uh, his second year with Matt Lafleur's type offense and what he did and how he looked. And Rodgers is kind of looking like that on that trajectory. And uh, like Ken said, the running game just keeps on churning. Um, offensive line has looked stellar. So, yeah, I'm ready for uh, game three and see what happens there. Well, there you go. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Go Pack Go. This episode is brought to you by Sonic Transformation. Here at Sonic Transformation, we believe that every good audio project starts with a good foundation. We want to help you build that foundation. Whether it be through commercial products or things you have around the house, no job is too big or small. We can make your podcast sound the best it can with what you have and a little nudging along the way. No equipment? No problem. Our consultants can help you get set up on your budget and in your space. Do you already have an established podcast but don't have the time to edit or just wish it sounded better? We can take care of that for you as well. Check us out at www.sonictransformation.com. Again, that's www.sonictransformation.com. Sonic Transformation, your sound refined. We are back with the second half of 2-0 and on tap and post-game balls. Three apiece, and, and I'll start off. And my first my first post-game ball is, is going to coach Matt LaFleur, going 8-0 in the NFC North, 16-4 and in his first 20 games as head coach. No face-to-face. Off-season, training camp was truncated. No preseason. And talk about a year-two jump, and you're looking like a you're looking at a coach of the year candidate right now. Um, I had mentioned right in the beginning of the episode, back-to-back 40-point games for the first time since 2014. The play calling. I love the pre-snap motion and how it just seems to stymie the defense. Aaron Rodgers in MVP form. And you're doing it with a lot of creativity. And so here I wanted to throw down some tasty nuggets for you all. In uh, two games, 85 points, 1,010 yards, 57 first downs, 417 rushing yards, nine touchdowns, 14 third and fourth down conversions, one sack allowed, zero turnovers, and a time of possession of 76 minutes and 30 seconds. Who is your daddy? Matt LaFleur is your daddy. And he is my first post-game ball. I'll jump in right with, right with you there, Bryce. So... Coach LaFleur definitely gets a game ball from me, too, for a lot of the reasons that you say. You know, as long as he keeps winning, he's probably going to be in the game ball conversation for me based off what you're saying. <laughs> like, 8-0 against the NFC North. You know, he's yeah. won 80% of his game so far in just, you know, a season in two games. And, you know, everyone was giving the Packers criticism, right, for, oh, well, they hired this young guy because he knew Sean McVay, right? So that, you know, we're hiring, you know, he's like the flavor of the month that, you know, we're just going to give anyone that kind of knows his system uh, a shot here. And he's proven everybody wrong. And also the the Packers' decision to, you know, move on from McCarthy a little bit early, mid-season. And so they 
can start their coach search and get it right. And I think we're all looking at each other right now. I think we got that decision right. So, yeah, Lafleur <laughs> is definitely getting a game ball from me. And uh, you're probably going to hear his name come up for me a lot in the uh, future episodes here. I love it. Jeremiah, your first your first game ball. Can't argue with uh, Lafleur, a double dose of Lafleur there. But so my first game ball is going to be a little weird one, I guess. It goes to Detroit being Detroit because, mm. you know, as the game was, you know, early on, we were 14 to three, you know, could have turned, I think, one way or the other. And I would like to say it was because of some things that the Packers started doing. But really, I think when it started to turn was there was a miss, a rough, unnecessary roughness call on an O-lineman for Detroit, put them back into a third and 25 hole, couldn't dig out of that, punted. They got into, a, I believe, is their, their fourth drive. Uh, had a, a really inopportune holding call, got them in a bad spot. And then if you go even further down, you had that penalty on uh, Harris, I believe, that was the uh, unnecessary roughness against MVS that extended that drive. And so that that you know that one itself allowed us to get up seventeen uh, fourteen going into half. So I think you know those. You know, overall, you know, throughout the whole game, maybe those don't look as momentum changing, but I just think in the spots that they showed up, it allowed the Packers to really kind of find themselves, find their find their juice or whatever, and uh, kind of get get themselves right and back into the game. I just and you know, I say Detroit being Detroit because they just somehow find ways to lose. I mean, they <laughs> they're dominating. You know, Carryon Johnson's dominating. AP looked like all day. And then, you know, and then they shoot themselves in the foot three to four times and Packers are right back on top. So, and I think you see this same thing happened last week versus the Bears, you know, Detroit being Detroit. So, you know, a little maybe, you know, downer uh, kind of first one, but I think that really helped turn the tide, uh, especially in that first half kind of going into the halftime. I'll jump, I'll jump on there real quick. I saw a stat that was flying around after the game that, the Lions are the first team now in history to lose four consecutive regular season games when they had a 10-plus point lead at one point during the game. Ooh. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think Jared said it perfectly. Just the Lions being the Lions, right? <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it. Ken, why don't you take it back with your uh, with your second post-game ball? My second post-game ball is going to my man, uh, Rashawn Gary. I made a bold prediction last week against Minnesota that that will be his kind of breakout game. Predicted he would have one and a half sacks against the Vikings. Well, it came just one game too late. So my crystal ball was just slightly off of alignment. But yeah, he had a hell of a game. One and a half sacks, four tackles, one for loss, two quarterback hits. He was all around the quarterback, making him uncomfortable. What a great thing to have when you have three super talented pass rushers that offenses have to account for, especially if we're going to see someone like Kenny Clark down for maybe an extended period of time. We really don't know, have too much information on that, where you might see Zadarius Smith moving more on the inside, and you got to deal with Preston on one side and Gary on the other. And I I love what this guy brings. You heard Lafleur talk about it post-game, his attitude, his work ethic, and LeFleur said, you know, he has not even come close to arrived yet. Like, he still has a lot to improve upon. And it's through two games, he's he's been definitely making his presence felt and, and quarterbacks uncomfortable. And so he's getting my uh, second game ball, you know, partly, you know, just because, you know, I wanted to get right on my bold prediction from last week and just saying I was a week <laughs> off. But 
no, he had a hell of a game, and I look forward to see what he can do in the future. I love it. Jeremiah, your second game ball. I got to piggyback uh, right on with you there, Ken. I thought, you know, based off of, yeah, sh- showed some spots in the first game, really turned it on, especially in that second half. Um, I think there was a moment where he just made, uh, I want to say they said it was a backup right tackle, and DeAndre Swift kind of trying to chip um, and just made them both look like fools. Foolish. Yeah, yeah, and I think they were making fun of Swift, saying, "Well, you gotta pick something, man. Like, you gotta make a choice, one way or the other." And he, you know, obviously Gary just sliced right between them. I'm kind of mad he didn't have they didn't credit him with two sacks. I really think he should have had two sacks instead of one and a half. But yeah, I think overall, you know, he's beginning to show that just that quickness and that that just mentality that that the reason you know behind taking him as high as we did, you know, it, it definitely took. You know, last year matured and, um, you know, allowed or the team, you know, allowed him to do that, obviously being behind um, the Smith brothers. So that's been a great learning process for him. And I think you're you're finally getting to see um, just the, you know, I think the the first edge of it, the glimpse of of what he really can do. You know, what he drop? uh, I think he dropped a decent amount of weight this offseason, quicker, leaner. But still, you you see him, you know, offensive lineman. He's throwing him to the ground. I mean, he still has the power. So it's it's just a, a amazing combination of all of those traits in one guy. I mean, I, yeah, it's sky's the limit for him. I think right now. And I thought about, uh, I mean, and rightfully so, uh, Rashawn Gary getting a post game ball, and it came down to logistics for me, and um, really uh, the reason why um, I didn't pick Rashawn Gary is. Shannon Sullivan in his pick six, second play of the game in the second half. You know, in a bat of an eye, the Packers are up 31-14, and it's pretty much over. And I just thought it was a really savvy move by Shannon Sullivan on the talented and veteran quarterback of Matthew Stafford, really baits him, and almost to the point where, he, you know, he's just like, throw it, throw it, throw it, I dare you. And then sure enough, Stafford doesn't see him, and he gets to tumble right into the end zone, Tilting the field and, you know, coining this name, I don't know if it's uh, intellectual property that I'm stealing, but like field tilters in a way that like, just like Jair last week, you needed a play and Jair comes up big, gets the safety and then boom, there that tilts the field and the momentum is, you know, all in Green Bay's favor. Same with this. I mean, this was like a dagger play. I mean, Aaron Jones just Bust out a 75-yard run, and then right after that, you've got Shannon Sullivan with with the pick six. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, those types of plays, uh, those types of plays win games, and you're going to need that moving forward. And talk about a boost of confidence for a guy that a lot of Packer fans are talking about a breakout type of year for Shannon Sullivan. So he's my second game ball. Nice, yeah. I- Shannon Sullivan, I think him and Jair to me stood out even in the first half when the rest of the defense was kind of looking like they were still asleep. They both looked like they were on their game. Jair was a close that almost was one of my mm-hmm. game balls just because I think he helped stem the tide a little bit in that first half. Uh, there was a blow up he had uh, on a screenplay that looked phenomenal. But yeah, Sullivan, I mean, like you said, baited him, baited Stafford pretty easily with, I would say, got to give a nod there to Rashawn Gary with the hand in the face. That I think yeah. helped that uh, help that pick right. six out quite a bit, right? right. Well, s- since you're since you're chatting, you want to r- wrap up your uh, your third post game ball? Yeah, let's do it. And I'm I'm imagining that this may be the third game ball for all of us, but we'll see here. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> Who? Uh, I mean, Aaron has got to be Aaron Jones. I mean, I don't, you don't have <laughs> you don't have that kind of day. 
I mean, that, you know, I think he had, what, two to three, four types of those games last year. And it's just, it's amazing to see. These are the games where you're like, God damn it, this guy's going to get like $15 million a year and then we're not going to be able to pay anybody else. So, oh. <laughs> but, you know, I don't want to go into the stats really. I, I think the the great thing for me after, you know, it really broke out as the game kind of rolled on it, you know, and I think Lafleur said this last week, you know, trying to keep him fresh as the game gets deeper in. So then he's available in that fourth quarter when you really need him to kind of take over the game, which he did. But, you know, early on, there was a couple plays where it just seemed like him and Rodgers weren't necessarily clicking on, on you know, a little dump off out of the backfield to the left side, I think. And then there was another wheel route, I believe, that he missed just ever so slightly. And it just seemed, you know, again, a little bit like last year, we were like, oh, what's what's going on there? And to see to that kind of just get thrown way back in the rear view mirror and to have Rodgers and Jones have the game that they ended up having uh, was pretty phenomenal. And I think shows a lot about the character of the not only the the two of them, but Aaron Jones and, you know, the offense itself. For sure. Right. Yeah, I'll jump in here, too. Obviously, my my game ball is going here to Aaron Jones. For everything you just said, the guy just totally dominated this game, took over. You know, had a little bit of a rough start, like you mentioned. He had, like, two back-to-back plays where uh, he was targeted by Rodgers in the passing game. And, you know, one, the timing was just a little off, and another was just a well, you know, defended play, but he still had a chance for it. And I was like, oh, man, you know, like, this is going to be a down game. And then, he just explodes off the stat sheet. And one, you know, there was another one thing that really jumped off the page is there was this play, and I forget exactly what point it happened, but it was along the right sideline, and he looked like a wide receiver, like in mm-hmm. in route. Like he went up and just grabbed a contested ball, I believe with a cornerback on him, not a linebacker. High pointed that high yeah, pointed that for came sure. yep. came down with it looking just silky smooth and that's that's when he just exploded from there. And obviously his numbers were just gaudy. Three touchdowns, 268 all-purpose yards. And one thing I like to do is I like to try and take away the longest play because sometimes you're like, oh, well, it, you know, there's just like one play that, you know, contributed to that. You take away his 75-yard touchdown run, he had 161 yards and two TDs without that, like, 75-yard breakaway. 75 mm-hmm. So even without that play, you take that away, he still would have had a commanding dominant performance. But then you, you obviously you throw that one on. It's just, it's ludicrous and great to have this guy. And it's getting harder and harder to uh, picture a future without Aaron Jones uh, carrying the ball for this team in the future. He's, he's going to make himself irreplaceable real fast. Well, I, I did not pick Aaron Jones. Get out of here. My th- of course I picked I call Aaron BS. Jones. <laughs> Pay me. Aaron, pay me Jones, uh, you know, 168 yards um, on the ground, four passes for 68 or, or four catches for 68 yards, three touchdowns, like Ken said, setting a career high in 236 total yards, beating his former 226 yard total, which he had last season against Kansas City. And that was an incredible game too in Kansas City where they completely just, you know, exploited the Kansas City defense with Aaron Jones. Um, his 236 ranks second in team history behind Billy Houghton with 257. Um, another play of the game, I mentioned Shannon Sullivan with a pick six. Uh, I mean, on the first play of the second half, Jones like shoots up the gap and uh, also breaks a couple tackle attempts and was off to the races for a 75-yard touchdown, which gave them a 24-14 lead. 
Um, it was Green Bay's longest rushing touchdown since Amon Green's 90-yarder versus Dallas on October 24th, 2003. Get out of um, here. That's crazy. I mean, average 9.3 yards per attempt. Uh, needed only 18 carries to get 168 yards. Also caught passes of 22 yards and 30 yards. Jones admitted uh, about proving last year wasn't a fluke. He said, I do think I've come out and started the season the right way. Jones is the second Packers player in the Super Bowl era since 1966 with at least 200 scrimmage yards and three touchdowns in a regular season game. The last one, Javon Walker, September 26, 2004 at Indianapolis. Through two games, Aaron Jones has had 234 rushing yards, 78 receiving yards, and four total touchdowns. Extrapolate that over 16 games. That's almost 2,000 yards rushing, a little over 600 yards receiving, and 32 touchdowns. He is a bad man. Bad man. And last week, you had Aaron Rodgers rip apart the Vikings, and now you have Aaron Jones rip up the Lions. Pick your poison. And on both sides of the football, you have playmakers, and Brian Gutekunst has really assembled uh, from top to bottom a really, really nice team. And the commander, our head coach, Matt LaFleur, right now, 16-4 and four in his first 20 games. Could you believe that? That that, that I, I, I know it happened, but it's hard to wrap my mind around that. Yeah, it's I don't a beautiful think... seat to be in, I think, right now. I mean, you know, with all the, the hires that came out about the same time that he was hired, you know, was he raved about nearly as much? I, I think not, even comparative to... Uh, who's the guy in uh, Cincinnati who I think even people would have Zach rather Taylor. had to pay. Yeah, Zach Taylor in there mm-hmm. for, of the same cloth, I would say. Uh, you know, I would right now, and I think even then, say Matt LaFleur was the better coach, and he's proving that he belongs where he is right now. And, and um, you know, following up the 13-3 and three, uh, fluke season, as people were saying it was. <laughs> Fraudulent. Um, <laughs> Fraudulent. Fraudulent season. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's it's it seems that he's uh, he's showing that he's he's here and got the hire for a reason for sure. Well, through two games, I wanted to add this: Aaron Rodgers is fifty of seventy-four for six hundred four yards with six touchdowns and no interceptions, and that's a QB rating of one nineteen point four. "Quote: There's so much to improve on." End quote. Matt Lafleur said after his offense in two games scored eighty-five points. Giddy up. What are your final thoughts before the Packers and Saints square off? Oh, baby. I can't wait. And, you know, you said 85 points. One last little stat to, you know, tie, tie that all together. The Packers joined the Bills from 1991 as the only two teams in NFL history to score 85 plus points and 1,000 yards of offense in the first two games of the season. And, man, just imagine if we would have gotten a wide receiver in the first round, guys. <laughs> Just imagine. But there you have it. Packers are 2-0. and oh. This is a beautiful episode. My brother's from another mother. I'm your co-host for 2-0 and oh on tab, Bryce Christensen. And I'm Ken Ingles. And I'm Jeremiah Wayman. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go. 
This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation. Your sound refined. Follow the unknown. I like I, I like your text where you're like, well, just so you know, I'm here to piss on your dreams.